Our scripture reading from this morning is from 2 Corinthians, starting in chapter 3, verse 17. It says, Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of, of the Lord is, there is freedom. We all, with unveiled faces, are looking as in a mirror at the glory of the Lord, and are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory. This is from the Lord, who is the Spirit. Therefore, since we have this ministry because we were shown mercy, we do not give up. Instead, we renounce secret and shameful things, not acting deceitfully or distorting the word of God, but commending ourselves before God to everyone's conscience by an open display of the truth. But if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing. In their case, the God of this age has blinded the mind of unbelievers to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. For we are not proclaiming ourselves, but Jesus Christ as Lord, and ourselves as the servants for Jesus' sake. For God who said, let light shine out of the darkness, has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of God's glory in the face of Jesus Christ. Thanks, BJ. Well, let's dig in. First John chapter 4. We're beginning the fourth chapter this morning. And with that passage from 2 Corinthians, uh, the ending of chapter 3 and the beginning of chapter 4, let's go to 1 John 4 and see what the Lord wants to do in us together today. As you turn to 1 John 4, C.S. Lewis said this, If you look for truth, you may find comfort in the end. If you look for comfort, you will not get either comfort or truth. Only soft soap and wishful thinking to begin. And in the end, despair. It's fascinating how often we seek for comfort. We seek for um, this more comfortable position than the one that we're in. Even in times of trial that God has ordained for our lives, oftentimes we're looking for the eject button. You know, how do I get out of this? How do I get free from this? And it's difficult in those seasons to see through the trial and to have vision past that in the eyes of eternity and see that God is actually working in us as we work out in the midst of trials and suffering and to remember that Jesus told us that persecution would come, that we would know persecution, that we would know what trials look like in this life, that we weren't promised to be free of those things, but that he would be faithful in the midst of those things, because one of the greatest examples that we can uh, allow Christ to shine through our lives is being faithful in the face of suffering and struggle, and especially when it's unjust, especially when we suffer unjustly, because it's when we suffer unjustly that we best exemplify the heart of Christ, because he suffered unjustly, amen? Much of our conversation this morning will focus around, one, the work of the Holy Spirit in the hearts of believers, and two, the antithesis of the Holy Spirit, the opposite. And and we've talked about this before. John has done so many comparisons in this letter, and by using comparisons and opposites, he's revealing to us um, a better understanding of what being Christ-like looks like and what it does not look like. What it looks like to be a believer and to walk with Jesus. And then here's the opposite of what that picture looks like. What John has identified as the spirit of the Antichrist. 
in chapter 2 is again going to be mentioned here in chapter 4, which is the false teachers of his day. And we've talked about this a little bit, and we'll very briefly summarize what we've talked about in a moment, but it's important to remember that in John's day there was false teaching. And that there was a, a change in the generation of those who had been passed down uh, the message of the gospel that now they were being tempted to believe in different things. They were being drawn away into different cultic beliefs. And so what we're going to see here is truth is going to be pitted against lie. And truth, as C.S. Lewis spoke of in the, in the quote prior, when sought after can lead us to comfort if we accept what the truth teaches us. We can be given comfort in the long run by believing truth and by walking our lives in the truth and by allowing the Spirit to lead us until we reach the gateway of eternity. It's by far the more challenging road to take. That's why Jesus said, enter through the narrow gate. Lots of people are like, it's so easy to be a Christian. It's like, you're probably not living as a Christian. If you think it's easy, you may not be doing it right. In fact, I would suggest you should take a good hard look on whether you are doing it right. And I'm not saying that because we should be running out there looking for ways to make our life difficult. I believe life will naturally be more difficult for those who want to honor Jesus in every word they say, every thought they think, and every action they take. I think that's naturally going to be more difficult. So the connection between the Holy Spirit and the truth is made clear. Uh, Prior to us getting into this text, I think it's important for us to recognize this. The truth and the connection of the truth to the Holy Spirit Jesus spoke about in John chapter 15 and verse 26. Look at how Jesus describes the Holy Spirit. He says, when the counselor comes, the one I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth who proceeds from the Father, he will testify about me. Think about this. When the counselor comes, the one I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth. He identifies the Holy Spirit as being the Spirit of truth. You guys, the testimony, that testimony that Jesus speaks of, he elaborates on it in John chapter 16, verses 13 through 14. He says, when the spirit of truth comes, again, he identifies the Holy Spirit as being the spirit of truth. When the spirit of the truth comes, he will guide you into all the truth. For he will not speak on his own, but he will speak whatever he hears. He will also declare to you what is to come. He will glorify me because he will take from what is mine. And declare it to you. Sounds like someone's working on something. (laughs) We have construction happening in the building. (laughs) You guys, the work of the Holy Spirit within us is to guide us into all the truth of Jesus Christ. Is to guide us into the truth, a better understanding of the truth. Here's something you can be assured of. The Holy Spirit is not trying to deceive you or lead you into a lie about God. It's not what he's attempting to do. The the Holy Spirit will glorify Jesus and lead us into truth. So what's the antithesis? What's the opposite? It's lies. The false teachers of John's day that he boldly calls out as Antichrist were propagating lies about Jesus and especially, we'll notice this in our text this morning, especially about the physical incarnation. Especially about Jesus becoming a human being and being physically present here on this earth. If the source of truth is the Holy Spirit, then what's the source of lie? Any guesses? You can say it. It's cool. It's a, it's a tight-knit room. What's the, who's the source of lies? Satan is. Satan's the source of lies. Jesus speaking the truth. This is one of my favorite passages of Scripture. It's funny because so many people will be like, I just love how 
Jesus was so meek and gentle. And I talk about this a lot. He was so lowly. Jesus never hesitated to speak the truth, did he? He never hesitated. It didn't make him mean. He wasn't mean when he did it, but he was very honest and very open about the truth. And so as he's speaking to people who are following him, but not trusting in him, uh, seeking to validate themselves to their own good works as the offspring of Abraham and even God. What a funny statement. These people were seeking to validate themselves as being the sons of God to who? The son of God. Right? Well, we're the sons of God. And Jesus is like, really? John eight forty four. you are of your father, the devil. There's a fun verse. And you want to carry out your father's desires. You're like, wow, that's, that's really harsh and bold. You're already reading it behind me. He was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the truth because there's no truth in him. When he tells a lie, he speaks from his own nature because he is a liar and the father of lies. What is it that Satan's here to do? He's here to lie. He's here to destroy. He's here to deceive. And Jesus looks at this crowd of people and says, you're not actually disciples of mine because you are of your father, the devil. Now, he's not trying to stir up controversy for controversy's sake. He's not trying to rile people up. He is telling them the truth. He's telling them what is actually true. Self-deception, intentional attempted deception of others, these things are nothing new. It's nothing new that people are deceived, being deceived, and going about telling lies. In fact, lies have been a part of this world since Genesis 3, right? Since Genesis 3, where Satan entered in and said, now did he really say that? You ever have a sibling that sounds a lot like Satan? (laughs) You know, well, we shouldn't do that because mom, hey, Mother's Day, here you go. Mom said no. Did she really say that? I mean, I know that this is a little revealing of my family history. I know that she told me not to, but uh, you weren't there. So technically you could and be okay, right? She caught me on a technicality, you know, but like, and and me being the the intelligent, calm, patient young child that was like, no, okay. You know, and I go and then boom, oh no. She's like, he did it. I hope my sister's watching this morning. One of my sisters is. Hey, yo, she's in the building. Hi, there you are. You guys, self-deception, intentional, attempted deception. Satan's been about the work of lying since Genesis 3. And it's going to continue until he gets decommissioned into the lake of fire. It will continue until he's put out of commission. So with that knowledge, John seeks to equip the church by calling us to be aware of who we're listening to. Who are you getting your information from? And is it accurate to what the scriptures teach? The Holy Spirit of the spirits of the world. Who are you listening to? These false teachers and deceivers or what God has told you? And are we allowing people to shape our theology with lies and deception? Are we allowing them to redirect us because we're taking them at their word and we're not taking what they're telling us to the scriptures? We're not taking what we're being told to the Bible. You guys, if you think this is anything new, it's not. It's just being presented to us in our culture in a different way. It's the same thing. It's the same narrative since Genesis chapter 3. 
So John gives us instruction how to calibrate our hearts to receive and live lives that are obedient to his truth. Speaking of Jesus and picking up in the last verse of 1 John chapter 3, let's begin our study this morning. He ended the second half of um, verse 24 in chapter 3 of 1 John. He ended this way, and then I'll continue on through our text for this morning, which is 1 John chapter 4, verses 1 through 6. Chapter 3, verse 24, in the second half, And the way we know that he remains in us is from the Spirit he has given us. Dear friends, really quick, beloved, agape toi, beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see if they're from God. Because many false prophets have gone out into the world, this is how you know the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. But every spirit that does not confess Jesus is not from God. This is the spirit of the Antichrist, which you have heard is coming. Even now, it is already in the world. You are from God, little children, and you have conquered them because the one who is in you is greater than the one who is in the world. Amen? They are from the world. Therefore, what they say is from the world, and the world listens to them. We are from God. Anyone who knows God listens to us, and anyone who is not from God does not listen to us. This is how we know the spirit of truth and the spirit of deception. This is the word of the Lord. You see how clearly he paints the two pictures and says, which one are you listening to? Which party are you a part of? The situation of the modern church is different than what it was in John's time. And it's important for us to note this. The sin is the same, but the situation is different. The surging work of the Spirit, imagine living in that first chunk of years, those first few decades after the Holy Spirit was poured out on the disciples at Pentecost. And watching the powerful work of the Holy Spirit surge through people's lives and watching people be healed and and get saved. And there's all this incredible ministry happening as the disciples fan out from Jerusalem to Judea to Samaria and to the ends of the earth, they start fanning out and the gospel starts spreading and and Paul is doing his missionary journeys. There's so much amazing work happening. And because the Spirit was demonstrated in such amazing ways, there came this outpouring of peril, struggle, trouble, and tribulation. The disciples started getting put to death. Brutally, Peter was crucified upside down. Paul was beheaded. Uh, church history or church legend teaches us that um, Thomas was beaten to death in India. You know, there's all these stories about how, I mean, John was thrown in boiling oil. That doesn't sound like any fun. It wasn't like a, you know, a spa or anything. The situation of the modern church doesn't really reflect a lot of that, although there is persecution currently. The surging of the spirit brought about attack and very brutal attack in the Greek world. Not only was the work of the Spirit manifesting in some very visible ways, but we know from reading the Gospels that the reality of demonic possession was very evident. There was some pretty serious spiritual attack and opposition happening during the time of Jesus. Look at some of the stories as he would cast demons out of people and these demons are talking to him. It's crazy. In the early church, the spiritual world was very near. All the world believed in a universe that was thronged with demons and spirits Every rock and tree and river, every wood, lake, mountain, it had this spiritual power about it. And these spiritual powers were always seeking entry into the bodies of minds and minds of men and women. And in the time of the early church, there had never been a time when they were so conscious of being surrounded by spiritual power. 
And so you have to hear what John's saying here at the beginning of this, uh, of this chapter in 1 John when he says, you need to know what spirit you're listening to. Test the spirits. That ancient world was very conscious of a personal power of evil. They were sure that it was there and it was seeking for individuals who might be its instruments. It follows that not only the universe, but also the minds of men and women provided the battleground on which the power of light and the power of dark fought out their differences. With that perspective in mind, John rightfully calls his beloved to test spirits and to find out whether they're sourced in God or not. Whether they are sourced in God's truth or whether they are deceiving and seeking to draw you away as Satan would. Notice that six times in the first six verses of 1 John 4, John uses the words from God, either in the positive or in the negative, meaning that he either says this is from God or this is not from God. Six times in six verses, and he's going to do it a seventh. In verse 7, as BJ will teach next week, which talks about love being from God. Now, why would I point that out? Because if you think about the Greek and how it's used, the Greek word, the Greek phrase that's used to say from God is ekthu theou. Ekthu theou. That's your Greek lesson for the day. If you want more, find somebody else. I'm not a Greek scholar. But you guys, that means from God. It's best understood in its usage in these verses as not only from God, but the idea is has its origin in God. It is sourced from God. Ek through thou. From God. Now think about this. Why fuss about it? Because we want to be led and follow the teaching that comes. Ek through thou. We want to follow and, and, and love and be led by the kind of love that is from God or finds its source in God. It's sourced in him. Now think about this. If he uses this statement, if he uses this phrase six times in six verses, do you think John's trying to get our attention? Do you think he's drawing us intentionally to something saying, this is from God, this matters from God, Right? And the need to understand the ministry of the Holy Spirit is to understand that the Holy Spirit is doing the work of God. It's something that comes from God. But anything that is not is not sourced in God. And it's sourced in a, a spirit of deception. And we need to know what we're listening to. On that verse in the, that BJ will teach next week, John will say this, Dear friends, let us love one another because love is ek thu. Love is sourced in God. And he's going to say, and God is love. You guys, if we grasp that, sorry, BJ, I'm spoiling the beginning of your message next week. If we understand love in that context, then that means we don't get to define what love is. I don't get to define love as something that I'm feeling. I don't get to define love as what somebody else says it is. I can define love as being ekthu theou, as being from God, sourced in God, and therefore defined by him. It's a beautiful thing, and it's life-changing. It's life-changing when we live in such a way that we live from a sourced love that is in God himself and from him. The need for us, church, to be grounded in Scripture 
And what Jesus taught us is so dire. It's so important because many false prophets, John says, have gone out into the world. Many false prophets have gone out into the world. Solomon was right in Ecclesiastes 1.9. What has been is what will be. And what has been done is what will be done. There is nothing new under the sun. There's nothing new going on. You're like, well, I thought you said that this is like, under- no, we understand the situation they're in, but the sin is the same. I've talked to so many young people about this over the years. You know, I'm struggling with this. I'm struggling with that. Forget young people, all people who are like, I'm struggling with this sin, right? I'm struggling with this certain thing. And I've told them, like, recognize that what you're struggling with is the same sin that humanity's been struggling with since the beginning. The technology has changed. The way that it's being delivered to you has changed. We have to face it differently only because the delivery method or the way that it's tempting us is is different. But it's not that the sin in and of itself is different from anything we've seen throughout the history of mankind. It's just being delivered to you in a different package, right? It's like Hostess and Little Debbie's. It's just crap in different packaging. (laughs) I was a little Debbie's guy. I have freedom to say that. But if you think about this, not like I was for, I actually worked for them. (laughs) I was a distributor. That was a long time ago. And many pounds ago too. But you guys think about this. There's nothing new about this. The, The struggle and the battle is the same. It's the same. Until the return of Christ, we are never going to know what a shortage of false doctrine will look like. There's going to be a plethora of false doctrine in this world. And we can't believe everything we're told. The question is, how much of it are you intentionally letting in your head? How much of it do I intentionally subject myself to? Do I just feed off of? How much of it do I soak in on a daily basis and expect it to not have an effect on me? I'm not saying that we withdraw from the world. I'm saying that we need to be very aware of what we're marinating in. You guys, we're never going to know a shortage. But we don't have to be left in limbo when it comes to the teaching that we accept as truth and the teaching we reject as lie. John continues, and he says this because John believes it with all of his heart. Listen, verse 2 of chapter 4, this is how you know the Spirit of God. Every single one of us should like scoot to the end of our seat. Yes, right? Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. But every spirit that does not confess Jesus is not from God. This is the spirit of the Antichrist, which you have heard is coming even now is already in the world. Why would it be so important that Jesus physically came and took on human flesh? I don't have time to do an entire study on that, but maybe we will someday and just talk about God in human flesh and why that matters so much to us because it really is fathomless in its theological depth. But let me say this. The reason this is so important to John is because Jesus taught him it was so. And think about how John opens the gospel of John in chapter 1, verse 14. He says, the word became flesh and dwelt among us. He opens his writings of Jesus and says, do you see how much this matters? We observed his glory. The glory is the one and only son from the father, full of grace and truth. That is John expressing to us. He was fully God. He was fully man. It was the Messiah that we observed. 
It was the Messiah that we interact with. It was the Messiah who died on the cross and rose on the third day from the grave. Amen? It was Jesus Christ, our Savior. And he says, do not doubt in your mind for one second that he is the answer, that he is the one that you believe in to be saved from your sin and to receive eternal life. To be of God, a spirit must acknowledge that Jesus has come in the flesh. It was precisely this that the Gnostics of John's day denied. They said it couldn't have been God in human flesh because the two can't mesh. They can't go together. In their view, matter was altogether evil. A real incarnation was an impossibility. God could never take flesh upon himself. That's what the Gnostics would teach. They would try to humanize Jesus or basically say that it wasn't really God at all. He was just a man. How many people do you know today? And you're like, oh, those crazy Gnostics of John's day, those first century people, wild. How many people look at you and go, well, I think Jesus was a good guy, but I don't know that he was God. Well, Jesus, you know, he, he taught us a lot of good things, but if you insert but, your but is in the wrong place. <laughs> one T, calm down. But, but think about this for a second. Like, if, if you are going to say Jesus was this, but he was not what Scripture has said he is, false doctrine. The Scriptures are clear. Jesus Christ was God in human flesh. Jesus Christ was the cleansing sacrifice that was accepted by the Father for our sin. It's interesting because Augustine said later that in the Platonist philosophers, he could find parallels for everything in the New Testament except for one saying, the word became flesh. He goes, you can look at all these philosophers and you'll find congruencies, and that's why we get confused sometimes, right? We'll listen to someone talking about what they believe, and they're talking about morality, things that we were like, yeah, we should be doing that. Oh, and you know, there is a God. Well, yes, there is a God. And, and I believe that he created this world and everything we've seen. Very true. And we're image bearers. Wow, you're right on. But Jesus, all right, we're done. Hold on. If you're going to say Jesus isn't God in human flesh, that the word did not become flesh, we have a serious problem. That's what John's saying. He says, this is where we draw the line. Jesus was God in human flesh. It doesn't matter how many other congruences there are. Trust me, false doctrine wants to show you all the things that we have in common and none of the key factors that we do not. That's part of deception. Think about that for a minute, right? Like, deception means trying to get you to believe something deceptively. Now, I know we're all like, duh. Yeah, but how often are we getting deceived about something? Lies don't come up to you and just slap you upside the head. God hates you. It's like, that's pretty easy to be like, it's not in the Bible. What God says here in this passage is that he hates this. And then if you go over to this verse, it says this over here. No, no, no. Deception works a lot differently. It takes you out of context. It takes God out of context. It wants to show you one sentence, not the whole chapter. And it wants to get you focused on a paragraph instead of the whole book. And it's deceptive is de deception. You're like, this is stupid. It's true. Like, are we subtly being drawn into false doctrine, false theology, because we're just not paying attention? 
We're not aware of it. You need to have your head on a swivel. You need to be watching for this stuff. What do you believe? Okay, that's in the Bible. You're all right. Seriously. And not be like rejecting people, helping one another. Listen, we should be helping each other with our theology. We should be growing doctrinally together in the scriptures, not according to my opinion, according to what the Bible says. That's where we get off base. We get off base when it's your opinion, my opinion, agree to disagree. You guys, let's go to the scriptures and see what God says. And let's do that. Let's do that together. You guys, it significantly diminishes false gospel narratives to come to the table with the physical incarnation of Jesus. To come to the table and say, okay, this has to be in play. You're going you're gonna to remove a lot of false narratives. It won't remove everything. There's going to be further discussion needed. But if you say, I believe Jesus Christ, according to the scriptures, was the word became flesh and dwelt among us. You're going to remove a lot of cultic and false religion beliefs. But it's what John says, this matters. And it mattered in his day, and I think it matters in ours. There are many reasons why we hold to the physical birth, life, death, and resurrection of Jesus as the scriptures proclaim. And I want to remind us of all the incredible encouragement that we have because the incarnation is true. That this is truth that the Holy Spirit has revealed to us. Jesus is our example because he physically came to this earth. As human beings, he is our example. He is our high priest. He is our savior. He is our mediator. He is our advocate. He is our king and he is our friend because he physically dwelt in a human body. All of those things are true because of the physical incarnation of Christ. We've returned to this passage of scripture a handful of times in our studies in 1 John, but I want to read it again. It's from Hebrews 4 because in this conversation of Jesus being physically incarnate, uh, we, we can really find a lot of comfort, I think, and peace in Hebrews 4, verses 14 through 16. Therefore, the writer of Hebrews declares, since we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast to our confession. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who has been tempted in every way as we are, yet without sin. Because of that, or therefore, let us approach the throne of grace with boldness so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in time of need. He says, because Jesus gets you, you have access. Because he saved you, you can come boldly. He will give you grace and mercy. Because he understands you. He's not making peace with your sin. He, want, he cleanses us of our sin. He removes our sin from us. But when we are broken and we are struggling, we have no need to shrink away because we serve a Savior who knows what it's like to walk in our shoes. To be tempted in every way that we are, yet he didn't sin in the midst of it. This is our high priest book of hebrews goes on and on about this it's very powerful but anyone who denies this is not sourced in god again john doesn't paint in gray you'll notice this a lot he's all about right or wrong black or white to deny jesus is to be sourced in the lies of the enemy he says there's no middle ground here on believing that jesus came and physically came Anyone who is not with me is against me, and anyone who does not gather with me scatters, Matthew 12 says. 
Last three verses of this passage in 1 John 4, verse 4. John affirms the church. He says, you are from God. You are ekthuthao. Little children, and you have conquered them because the one who is in you is greater than the one who is in the world. He builds up the church. And he says, God is greater the one who is in you. He says, they're from the world. Therefore, what they say is from the world, and the world listens to them. That's a really shocking statement when you think about it. It's kind of disappointing. The people in the world, because they're from the world, will have the ears of the world. And we really struggle with that, don't we, when we want to share with somebody. Because they are hearing everything the world is saying, and they're just closing you off. Now, God can work there. I'll talk about that in a minute. But that's a challenging reality for us to face. That the results are not what we base our obedience to God upon. That we can't look at the results that we get in this life. He says, you be obedient to me and you leave results in my hands. You leave the results of the work that you do on my behalf in my hands. We are from God. Verse 6 says, anyone who knows God listens to us. Anyone who is not from God does not listen to us. This is how we know the spirit of truth and the spirit of deception. He's not saying this arrogantly. He's saying we are in Christ. We have been saved by Jesus. We are aligned with his word. Therefore, you should listen to what we're teaching, but only because it's sourced in Jesus. It's sourced in the scriptures. Everything that you are taught by, guys, this is so important. It must be sourced in the scriptures. Everything that shapes us must be sourced in in God himself. And that's why he's given us his word so that we can know. Never forget that the powers of this world, and I'm saying this in connection with you're from God, you've conquered them because the one who is in you is greater than the one who is in the world. Never forget that the powers of this world did their worst to Jesus. They did their worst. They rejected his teaching. They accused him of horrible things. They beat him. They shamed him. They crucified him. They killed him, and he still emerged victorious. Amen? We don't fight for the victory. We fight from the victory. Jesus already won. He already did it. Jesus faced the worst that human sinfulness could throw at him, and he emerged victorious. And behold, Jesus is coming back. He's coming again. Strengthen yourself with that reminder on a daily basis. No matter what I'm facing, Jesus is coming again. My Savior was victorious in ways that I couldn't accomplish on my own, but because of his victory, I have victory. Because of his accomplishment, I am righteous in God's eyes only because of Jesus. As Paul would declare in Romans 8, 11, and if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you, then he who raised Christ from the dead will also bring your mortal bodies to life through his spirit who lives in you. That's a powerful statement. That deserves like a whoop whoop. You don't have to, it's cool. But you guys just think about that. You can whoop later. Think about that, though. If the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you, this is the Holy Spirit of truth. Then then he who raised Christ from the dead will also bring your mortal body to life through his spirit because he's right inside of you. Boy, not only does that give us just this confidence in him, not in ourselves, but confidence in where we're going in life that God loves me, his Holy Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead lives in me, but also, how does that change the way we treat one another? If I look at you, my brothers and sisters, and I say, 
in reality, in truth, the Holy Spirit of God, God himself lives in you. How should I treat you? How should I care for you? How should I minister minister to you? How should I love you? How should I serve you when I recognize that God is living inside of you? Boy, doesn't that just give you a step back before you say something harsh? Before you accuse people? Before you're rude to them? Go, this is my brother or sister in Christ. By the way, it doesn't give an excuse. Well, I'm going to go be rude to someone in the world then. You know, like that's not what I'm saying. Like that doesn't give us an excuse to be rude to someone in the world. It means that we look at each other as family here in this church and we say, you are indwelt by the Holy Spirit of God. And so I'm going to be really careful to love you, to care for you, to bless you, to encourage you, to speak words of truth, but always with the intention of redemption and restoration. Indeed, Church, we have conquered false teachers of this world who are sourced in lies by the truth of the gospel of Jesus because the one who is in us is greater than the one who is in the world. We don't have to fear it. We don't have to fear that falsity. We don't have to fear its power over us. It has no power. He has no power, and he has no ability unless God allows him to do something. Read the book of Job. You're like, that's a scary book, Mike. I don't like to read the book of Job. Read the whole thing. Read the whole thing. Get to the end where Job learns a lot about God and about himself and God restores him. And God blesses him. Job went through a lot. It's a picture of, you know what, in eternity we're going to be blessed. I'm not even saying it's in this life. You're like, so if I go through the lessons Job went through, I'll get seven times what I have, right? No, stop it. You're, you're, you're on the wrong path. The message is this. Be humble before God. Listen to God only. It's like, it's like Solomon says at the end of Ecclesiastes, he goes, all right, that's it. The end of the matter is this. Obey God. <laughs> Do what he says. He's like, any other way that you choose to live for yourself is just going to turn you into a big fat mess. He says, listen to God, obey his commands. You guys, those who don't confess Jesus belong to the Christ-denying world. They talk the world's language. The world just eats that up. But we come from God and we belong to God by the saving grace of Jesus. We have been born again through him. Anyone who knows God understands us and listens to us, John says, because the Holy Spirit resides in us. When the Holy Spirit is in control of that life, we can listen, we can learn, we can grow together as the church. But it must be led of the Spirit and not from some person's perspective. And the person who has nothing to do with God will, of course, not listen. It's another test for the spirit of truth from the spirit of deception. Listening and obeying is someone who is submitted to the spirit of truth. I think in the same breath, um, as we close this off, we see the dying world around us, and we have to recognize our calling as gospel-equipped lovers of Jesus to be who Paul called us to be in 2 Corinthians 5, verses 18 through 20. It'll be on the screen behind me. Paul says this, everything is from God who has reconciled us to himself through Christ and has given us the ministry of reconciliation. This is not just for pastors. This is for every single person in this room. He is entrusted to every person in this room who has believed in Jesus and been born again, this ministry of reconciliation. That is in Christ. God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them, and he has committed the message of reconciliation to us. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ. Since God is making his appeal through us, we plead on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. 
be right with God through Jesus Christ. That is the message of the Holy Spirit of truth that indwells us by the power of Jesus' cleansing work. Church, that's the ministry that we've been given as a group. It's not given to certain individuals. Every single one of us has been called to be an ambassador where we are for Jesus. And in a world that suppresses truth, and even in Christian communities that, that will struggle with this and claim to stand on truth, but forget that we're called to speak truth with love, and those two cannot be separated from each other, we can grow weary. And we might even be tempted to point fingers. That's not what I'm here to do. I don't want to point fingers at other believers. This is what I want to do. Let's take a look inside ourselves and make sure that we are walking in the power of the Holy Spirit. Let's make sure that we are walking in a Holy, Spir- Holy Spirit-empowered way. I almost said that all in one word. Make my own Pauline phrase up. That we are walking in a Holy Spirit-empowered way as Christians, as believers, and that we bind together as a church to do that. To do that as a church community. Don't grow weary in doing good. Galatians 6, 9 has always been one of my favorite Bible verses. Do not grow weary in doing good, for in due season you will reap if you don't give up. Don't give up. There's no quit. When the Lord's done, he'll take us. It'll be our time. We know people that, that live really long lives, and we know people who live very short ones, and I'm fine either way. I'm fine either way what the Lord decides. But there can't be any quit in us. As long as we have breath, we need to speak the message of reconciliation. Amen? The old Latin proverb, there's lots of them, but one old Latin proverb says this, great is the truth, and in the end it will prevail. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Jesus will prevail. He will rule. He will reign. Let that encourage our hearts together this morning. Let's pray. Lord, as we thank you for the work of your spirit in us, as we sing praises to you now, Lord, I ask that you would um, stir our hearts to respond and to find our comfort and our joy and our peace in you. And Lord, just to be really open and honest with my brothers and sisters here, God, if anything that I've said this morning was confusing or, or wasn't correct, Lord, would you just push that out of our minds and help us to hold on to what is true? Lord, we want to take everything that we hear and hold it up to your scriptures, to your word, and to believe in what you have said, not what a person has said. And so, God, as we just um, submit ourselves in this way to you, Lord, I recognize that I've failed. I recognize that I have not um, represented your heart in all moments really well to other people. And, Lord, I confess that sin, and I ask that you would fill us and myself especially, Lord, with your spirit, that you would forgive me for that. God, that if there has been an attitude that doesn't reflect you, Lord, if I have bought into lies, would you cleanse those out of me? If I've made excuses about things I've done or the way that I've thought, Lord, would you convict me of that? And Lord, I pray that all of us would be willing to open ourselves up to that and say, is there a spirit of deception in me? Have I been buying what the enemy's been selling and not even realizing it? Lord, if that's the case, there is forgiveness. There is access, Jesus, to the Father because of you, and we can come boldly into the throne room of grace to receive help and mercy in our time of need. And so, Lord, I pray that that's what we would do, 
that we would come to you asking you to cleanse us, asking you to restore us and to encourage us, and you as a good father, that you would encourage us, your kids, set us on the right path again. Humble our hearts. None of us has this figured out. Lord, we are all in process. We're all being sanctified. And so, Lord, may there be no pride, but may we stand shoulder to shoulder with each other and come to you to be fed, to be dressed, to be cleansed, and sent out to do your work, to be your ambassadors, and to speak the message of reconciliation. Align our hearts with yours. Lord, may your Holy Spirit and, Lord, your truth that we believe all be sourced in your character and who you are. Lord, we thank you. Would you lead us in this time as we sing and as we worship?